friends, welcome to Wrestle Buddies GameSpot's wrestling podcast about wrestling, friendship, and friendship with wrestling, or wrestling with friendship. I've already screwed it up. I'm GameSpot News Entertainment Editor Matt Elfring, and with me as always, my closest wrestle buddy, Chris Hayner, GameSpot Entertainment Editor. How are you, Chris? Matt, I am fantastic. This is coming out on a Thursday, but spoilers to the world, we're recording this on a Friday, and I love a Friday. I thought it was Thursday for a second. Uh, time is uh, has no meaning right now. Yeah, time is not even a flat circle. It's just flat. It's wibbly wobbly, tiny whiny stuff. Absolutely, and we got a lot going on this week. Chris, let, let's let's drop them in. What do what do we got going on today's episode? Okay, I'm not gonna lie. The second segment today is gonna be my favorite thing we've ever done. I did a deep dive into the wild wild world of WWF New York the restaurant in Times Square that uh, didn't last very long. Uh, we're New also- York City! All right, so we'll also be looking at a very interesting topic, I think. Uh, it's what being a wrestling fan is like in the midst of a pandemic when there's not a lot of wrestling and the wrestling we have is just very different. Uh, but before all that... that <laughs> I, like, I like how with, with that one, we've kind of buried the lead with it. We'll get into it later, but there's a lot of lead burying. With <laughs> Should we just say it? No, no, no. We'll get into it later. Uh, it, it it is about the pandemic and about wrestling and about just kind of uh, trying to live life throughout this time, which is tough for some people. Absolutely. And uh, it, we're 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 introducing a mini segment to wrap up the show today. Uh, it's it is known as Mike or Meg or Dan's soapbox, and it is when we invite on one of our coworkers who doesn't really know a lot about wrestling and just give them a couple of minutes to talk about something they love or hate or think about the world of professional wrestling, which should be interesting. It's it's the clunkiest segment name we got, and it was, I wrote it down as a joke, and the joke is now reality. Yeah, arguably it's also the best segment name we got, but that'll come at the end. What about the beginning, you ask? Let me tell you, we are putting a spotlight on AEW and The Elite and Bullet Club. Essentially, we're gonna track how Bullet Club led to AEW. Matt, if you have a better way to describe what the segment's going to be, go nuts, because there's just a lot of history beginning in New Japan Pro Wrestling to dig through. It's it's a spotlight on All Elite Wrestling, just called Bullet Club to AEW. That's how I have it written out here. Actually, it says you wrote it. No, I wrote it. Someone wrote it. It says segment one, Bullet Club to AEW. That's what it is. Spotlight, Bullet Club to AEW. We did it. Listen. This is AEW Begins. We're going to look into the origin story to find out how this group of wrestlers from Japan became Batman and ultimately fought Heath Ledger's Joker in the Dark Knight. Yep. Yep. They they were all cast in Christopher Nolan's follow-up to Batman Begins. Yep. Yep. All right. Let's Hit play that, that stinger, baby. Yeah. <laughs> same time. I was saying the same thing. Let's play the stinger. Let me preface this by saying uh, that... New Japan Pro Wrestling's Twitter, Twitter, their YouTube account has a great series called The Recount, where they kind of go over major storylines from the wrestling world, and they have a five-part series on the Bullet Club. I highly recommend watching. Mm-hmm. Bullet Club history is there's a lot. It's a lot going on, which is weird because it's not like an age-old wrestling group. It's not like the Four Horsemen where it's been around. It's like since, seven years old, but it's so dope. <laughs> But in that seven years, they completely turned like wrestling on its head. That, Absolutely. Well, Non-WWE wrestling on its head. I would argue that they also turned WWE wrestling on its head. That's true, because everyone that's great 
screw you, Car. Everyone that's great in wrestling now in WWE, like the top of the game, was connected to New Japan. That's kind of a weird sentiment to say because it's only like three people. But yeah, I, I, I disagree. But <laughs> it's Adam Cole, Finn Balor, AJ Styles. Those are the guys that are still in WWE that were in Bullet Club. <laughs> yeah, and they're three of the most talented people on the roster yeah. easily. Anyway, so we're gonna we're gonna go back to. Uh, May 2013 in New Japan Pro Wrestling or NJPW. I'm probably just going to call it New Japan for the rest of this. Matt, is that when Bullet Club formed? Chris, that was when Bullet Club formed uh, with Prince Devitt, who you probably many people will know as uh, Finn Balor in WWE. And that's Carl Anderson, who was once in WWE. The Machine uh, Gun Carl Anderson. The Machine Gun Carl Anderson, Tamatonga, and Bad Luck Fale. And I had to make a note right here. I'm going to let everybody know. Pronounce it Fale because I've always said in my head, bad luck fail. Absolutely. I know absolutely it's same. Fale. Absolutely same. Also, I would like to note uh, for indie wrestling fans, I remember once upon a time when uh, the machine gun Carl Anderson was tag team partners with none other than Joey Ryan. Oh, man. What a time that was. I think that's the first time Joey Ryan's come up on this show, which is super weird because we are giant fans of Joey, St- Joey Styles. <laughs> Also of Joey Styles. There was also there was a really bad indie wrestler named Joey Styles that was not good. So I'm uh, you know what, Joey Styles, I'm sorry for listening to this. Not a fan. Anyway, so Bullet Club in New Japan was a just kind of a force of of non-Japanese wrestlers. There were some Japanese wrestlers in there eventually that just kind of took charge and would do anything by any means necessary to win matches and become like the top. They had no respect for the other wrestlers or the promotion. They were the ultimate heels in new Japan at that time. Now, Matt, correct me if I'm wrong uh, in, uh, in terms of Japanese wrestling, uh, foreign wrestlers, foreign to Japan wrestlers are often called Gaijin. And this was a group of Gaijin yeah. wrestlers who uh, sort of, I don't want to say spat in the face of what the tradition New Japan was because it was a storyline, but like their role was to sort of upset the natural order of how things work in new Japan. Yes. And sort of take over. Almost as if they were some sort of new world order. I do. I do kind of want to bring that up because in many, many senses, they are New Japan's NWO. However, and this is, might be a controversial thing to say. I'm not sure. I feel that Bullet Club was a better NWO than NWO was in terms uh, of what they were trying to accomplish in the promotion. I would say yes because of that, but also because uh, future lineups and future iterations of the Bullet Club managed to be as popular or more popular than the original, which is something uh, the NWO always struggled with. Yes, because it was always about Hall, Nash, and Hogan in the NWO. And and Dennis Rodman. And Dennis Rodman. (laughs) And RoboCop. (laughs) And RoboCop. Uh, (laughs) RoboCop was not for the NWO. Anyway, so October of uh, 2013, this is when the Young Bucks, Matt and Nick Jackson join you know the bullet club they become full-fledged members and this is kind of where the spark of what eventually would become aew you know lights up i guess it's also the spark of like what the young bucks have become ignited because prior to going to new like they were gaining fame and they'd done some i believe they'd done some like tna stuff and whatnot but like yeah like this these were two kids who learned to wrestle in their like in their backyard in southern california and then made made a local name for themselves on shows there. And then they've become arguably the most popular tag team on the planet. 
Yeah, and they've been the, I'd say, arguably the most popular tag team on the planet for the past, you know, at least six years. At least the most popular non-New Day tag team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so in April of 2014, Prince Devitt is facing uh, Taguchi. I can never pronounce his last, last, first name. Ryusuke. Uh, Ryusuke. It's Ryusuke. I'm sorry with first. I'm very terrible at this. Face <laughs> Taguchi in a Loser Leaves Town match. Uh, and the Young Bucks kept wanting to interfere in this match because you need to put the Bullet Club above everything else. And if you have to cheat to win, so be it. That's just how the Bullet Club rolled. Uh, Devitt was very, very against this, and it eventually uh, turned to having the Young Bucks turn on Devitt, which kicked him out of Bullet Club, and he lost the match, so he's out of New Japan. And he was never heard from again in the history of professional wrestling. No, he was just supposed to leave town, and I mean, he did leave town until the Beast from the East pay-per-view. Yeah, he left town and came to uh, Florida, and that's where he started with WWE as Finn Balor. So, th- so that moment where the Young Bucks turn, I feel like that's a that's a perfect moment for this is who the Young Bucks are. We're getting a good idea for for these characters. This is before they become kind of silly, but th- this is where they really make a name for themselves because they were the, I believe at that time the newest members of Bullet Club, and they were just kind of, I don't know, maybe overshadowed by a tag team like Gallows and Anderson. Right. Cut to November 2014. Uh, Kenny Omega joins. And uh, he was kind of a squeaky clean, like fight with honor type of wrestler prior to this. Mm-hmm. But he decided to put on a cool leather jacket and become the cleaner to clean up the ind- or clean up the junior heavyweight division. Man, the coolest janitor in all of Japan. <laughs> so uh, cut to January 5th, 2016 at New Year's Dash. Kenny Omega turns on then leader of Bullet Club AJ Styles. AJ Styles at that point gets booted from Bullet Club. Because before before we should know, AJ Styles wound up leader of Bullet Club after leaving TNA. Yeah, he left TNA and wound up in New Japan, and then found himself as the leader of Bullet Club uh, post Fergal that post Finn Balor's leaving the group. But also AJ Styles at that point in Bullet Club, like I'm not going to talk a, a, a ton of smack about Styles leading Bullet Club or anything, but he was AJ Styles. Like there was not much of a difference with Styles at that point. He was kind of the heel that we see in WWE, which you know? is, I think is a good it's thing. Fine. Like he, he figured that that was a character he started figuring out uh, in TNA and then yeah. left before he finally realized he fully realized it and then really honed in on how he could be that, that, that super, super cocky heel in new mm-hmm. Japan and brought that to WWE and has just done fantastic with it. At this point, Omega's leading, uh, and you know, Young Bucks, Anderson, Gallows, and Cody Hall, Scott Hall's son, uh, they all turned on Styles at that same time. And then this is where this is a, a key moment uh, because the Young Bucks and Omega within Bullet Club formed a group called the Elite. They are like their top, their own top tier stable within a stable, which I mean must feel. Really bad if you're not in the elite, but you're in Bullet Club. How did Cody Hall feel at that point? Happy to have a job. Yeah. Uh, so this is kind of where we start to see the elite become who we know them as now, which is great wrestlers, lovable goofballs, uh, just kind of redefining what independent wrestling is at this point. Uh, they create their YouTube channel called Being the Elite on February 18th, 2016. 
And the first video they post, which is, I love it so much. I've watched it so many times for some weird reason. It's called Press Conference. And in it, the Bucks and Omega are calling an emergency press conference to issue an apology for attacking Hiroshi Tanahashi after a six-man tag event uh, with the Bullet Club. And so Omega is talking about how, you know, we need to issue an apology and then breaks out into karaoke for Pink's raise a glass. Mm. He replaces the word glass with belt to raise his Intercontinental Championship. And eventually the Young Bucks join in as well. It's super weird. Chris, you, you've watched that, right? Yeah, it's super weird. And it's also it's it's well, it's not super weird in hindsight because we see that like this is them showing off the per, their personalities that sort of became what being the elite is. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is so at the time it was such an interesting thing because like we knew the Bullet Club as like. These they're bad guys. They are villains. They are foreign invaders. They're foreign invaders. They're cool villains, but they're still villains. And to see them embrace being silly and having fun. It's so good. And it's, it's a, it's a perfect step towards what comes next. So uh, there's, there's random, just kind of weird videos on that page on May 5th, 2016, the first episode of being the elite is released. And unlike what that show is now, uh, this was just a straight up travel vlog focusing on Matt and Nick Jackson traveling around between the United States and Japan, Ring of Honor in New Japan, just doing matches. It's it's only them talking about traveling. That's it. Yeah. For me, like when I first found being the elite, kind of going back and watching all episodes, like, oh, this is really cool. I get to see what these wrestlers do when they're not in the ring. Uh, but you compare that to what being the elite is doing now. You're like, uh, it's kind of a weird watch because it's not there's, it's just, it's serious. Where's the over the top storylines? Yeah. Uh, so on episode three, we get kind of the very first storyline slash wacky thing that happens. And Adam page, the young bucks and Adam Cole are going to a ring of honor show in Columbus, Ohio. And they all just super kick a bunch of people. And that's that kind of first moment. You're like, Oh, like this is what being the elite becomes it's, it is a travel vlog but it's also giving us storylines we're seeing connections between characters and how this all works out even if you're not watching ring of honor or new japan and it's also them putting out a product that like you know this is a thing where it's something they thought was funny among themselves that in years mm-hmm. past it the, the joke would have ended there but mm-hmm. with with the ability to film things on your phone and with youtube being what it is they could actually send they could actually share that with their fans and continue growing that base. Yeah. So being the elite continues, it starts evolving more and more. Uh, and in 2016, Adam Page and Cody joined the elite. Marty Skrull joins in the mid uh, mid 2000, mid 2017. I'm not going to get any further into being the elite. I think that is a great topic for us to eventually cover, like our mm-hmm. favorite BTE storylines and things like that. Absolutely. Um, but there are over 200 episodes now. It's super, super dense. Uh, we are just going to stick to how all elite, all elite wrestling became a thing afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, so BTE continues in popularity. You know, at some point, if you're a wrestling fan, you love all elite wrestling. You found BTE and you probably found an episode that you loved. And if you haven't heard of BTE, please go watch it. It is just it's just fun. Yeah, it's per it's it's it's. In terms of entertaining wrestling shows, it's hard to find something that packs as much just quality entertainment mm-hmm. weekly. It's yeah. it's all good. It's all great. So um, let's jump forward to May 2017. Wrestling Observer's Dave uh, Dave Meltzer 
said Ring of Honor could not sell 10,000 tickets for a wrestling event. And (laughs) way to have to eat some words, Dave. I mean, oof. I mean, at that point, too, uh, I I would I would arguably say that Ring of Honor has at this point, this is probably the pinnacle of their popularity. Yeah. Uh, with everybody that's in the in the company, this is kind of a second wave of great wrestlers coming in, you know, with the first being like CM Punk and uh, Samoa Joe and that whole lineup. Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryan. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. I've got some Here, old Ring Chris, of Honor DVDs man. and there's just everyone on there is just, a fantastic wrestler. Also, Ring of Honor, uh, Elder, Elder Days Ring of Honor is a perfect example of how to make wonderful use of a wrestler like Chris Hero. Yeah. Who never really got the platform that like he probably could have crushed with in WWE. Mm-hmm. But uh, man, that dude watching some of his old see his old matches with punk are they're ridiculous. Yeah. Also, I'd say uh, CM Punk and uh, Samoa Joe's matches yeah. back then are amazing. Yeah. And, and Chris Hero, for if you're if you're not too into independent wrestling or don't follow it as much. He's Cassius Ono in NXT or was Cassius Ono in NXT. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no. Oh, also, no. I have casually talked to him once at a WWE event for press, and he's the nicest man in the world. Yep. Yep. I was like, hey, man, like I'm a big fan. You've been following me since Ring of Honor. He's like, oh, really? That's so cool to meet people that like really follow you. <laughs> and he was so nice. <laughs> the thing I've learned about wrestlers is so many of them are just nice people in general. Yeah. And it's lovely. So Dave Meltzer said uh, Ring of Honor couldn't sell 10,000 tickets to a wrestling event. Cody uh, Rhodes, who was uh, had been released from WWE about a year prior, was in Ring of Honor, was in the Elite, decided to join with the Young Bucks uh, to take this as a challenge. And Dave Meltzer wasn't saying it was a challenge. He's just saying, like, they can't do it. Um, so they, they hosted it. <laughs> they, they did it. They did it at a pay-per-view <laughs> called All In. In Hoffman Estates, Illinois, not Chicago, on September 1st, 2018. Matt, literally the entire state of Illinois is Chicago. I know. <laughs> We've talked about this before. Any, lo- anything anything east of Nevada and west of, like, Ireland is Chicago. There, I, I get so picky because, and just finicky with all this, because the Allstate Arena or Rosemont Horizons in Rosemont, Illinois. That's where the majority of wrestling shows happen. Like yeah, Chicago. WWE. Right, Chicago. And WCW did shows there, and they did shows at the United Center, which was actually in Chicago. Right, Chicago. Uh, All In is our, the Sears Center, which was this was hosted at in Hoffman Estates, is I think like six miles from my house, and I am the farthest west suburb from the city. Chicago. So it is, it is not Chicago at all. When, what was the one they did... Uh, Earlier this year in the city, what was the last pay-per-view? I can't remember in Chicago. They did, they did something at C2E2. Yeah, it was the C2E2 weekend, and um, which is a which is a comic and entertainment uh, convention, but it's mostly a wrestling convention because Chicago loves wrestling. Yeah, and it's in Chicago. Like it was in, else. And it's actually in Chicago, but they, they announced it like, we got a show happening in downtown Chicago. And I saw that announcement. I'm like, there's no venues in downtown Chicago it's that can being hold. being held at where the, where the, where the Cubs play. <laughs> that's also not downtown Chicago. We cleared out the field. It was, it's, it was McCormick place on like the kind of like Chinatown, essentially it's on the, the cusp of Chinatown in Chicago. Which, and yeah, it's in, it's in Chicago, but it's a few, it's a couple miles South of downtown. Okay. Anyway, I'm getting, I'm, I'm 
Pickens. Anyway, what you're doing is burying the lead. You were at all I in. I was at all like, in. Like you started talking about your favorite wrestling experience of all time, and they got it like it's not really Chicago. I know it's such a stupid like tangent to get off of, and I apologize <laughs> to everybody listening. But I'm so like, I know if there are other people listening to this show from outside of the city or from Chicago, you get kind of annoyed when they say like. All in happening in Hoffman in Chicago, Illinois. It's like no, no, no. Well, it's in Hoffman. But States. what's weird is like I live in North Hollywood, California. But like I yeah. live in L.A. Yeah. And guess what? It doesn't bother me at all because oh. who gives a sh- Yeah, it doesn't matter. It does. It, okay. Anyway, all in. Here's what all in was. I apologize <laughs> so much for that tangent. Uh, you act as if we're never going to have this discussion again. It's going to happen so many times. Yep. Uh, so the show featured talent from Ring of Honor, New Japan, Impact, Lucha Libre, AAA. Uh, NWA, MLW, and CMLL. It was the biggest independent show of all time because there were over 11,000 people in attendance. I was one of them. And it paved the way for even bigger, uh, more independent shows like Ring of Honor and New Japan playing The Garden. Yeah, this, uh, that, the would not have, that would not have happened without All In. I, I completely agree. I'm, I'm not going to get too in-depth into All In, but it's the most fun. It, it's my favorite or second favorite wrestling show of all time. Like I have never had so much fun being around like-minded people. Cause there's something I should have said earlier, but when this was all going on wrestling fans that are older, like our, like ourselves, um, not so I'm much young, me, but I'm, I'm a fine young gentleman. You are, you are, yeah. you are 17 years old. As I've tried to explain to you, we are not the bad boys of wrestling podcast. We're the fine young gentlemen of wrestling podcast. True. And young is right there in the words. I am not older. That's fine. Uh, there are many people within wrestling fandom that have become uh, disenfranchised. I don't think that's the word I was looking for uh, <laughs> that, that have become kind of let down with where wrestling disillusioned. They become disillusioned, disillusioned with the product you. and uh, they were looking for some sort of alternative. And weirdly enough, that alternative was built on the back of the being the elite YouTube series. Yeah. Uh, please let me know on Twitter uh, that disenfranchises dumb to use in that sentence uh so they they put on this they put on this massive show all in and you can kind of tell like after the show ended the paper you ended they were in the ring talking to the audience like it was going to keep going you know cody and the young bucks kenny omega like the what they're doing here was setting the stage for something bigger and in december 2018 the bucks cody and a whole bunch of other people left ring of honor because in january 8th of 2019 the, there was the very first All Elite Wrestling press conference. The event announced a talent, for, uh, a whole bunch of talent for the company, including SCU, Chris Jericho, Pac, or Pac, <laughs> Dr. Dr. Britt Baker, Joey Janela, and Hangman Page. Cody and the Bucks were going to be co-executive vice presidents of this new company with Tony Khan serving as president. And then on February 7th, Kenny Omega signed on as co-executive, co-executive VP. And then the uh, double or nothing pay-per-view was announced, which was the first uh, show for all elite wrestling in Viva Las Vegas, baby. Yeah. I remember when we tried to go to that show and then just gave up. Yep. I sure do. Uh, So October 2nd, 2019 TNT kicks off all elite wrestling's dynamite, a weekly Wednesday night wrestling show. And then after that I wrote, yay. And I'll tell you, actually, I actually have a good reason for the yay. Um, The fact that this all started with a YouTube channel, Mm-hmm. Uh, and they haven't given it up even with producing at this point, two weekly shows, they have yes. dynamite and then they have uh, a W dark. 
uh, which is on AEW's YouTube channel, uh, the the elite are still producing weekly episodes of being the elite and they've only gotten bigger and more elaborate with crazier storylines and like more ridiculous casts. They just passed 200 episodes, I think. Uh, 204 was the spring stampede or stadium stampede uh, after double or nothing part due. Yeah, they just keep they keep they keep going and it keeps being fun and that you can still find the time to have that fun while also juggling all these other things is perfect. I think a lot of that, though, has to do with that. The core group of the elite grew quite a bit uh, before all or right after all in happened where. SCU had become a major part of the group, the elite group. They may not be in part of the stable on TV, but I consider them part of the elite. Yeah. It's SCU. It's even, even like departed members still get to get in on the fun now and then. Yeah. Like Joe, Joey Ryan shows up on occasion. Friggin' Marty Skrull was on this week's episode. He just shot a quick cameo where yeah. he walks in and they don't realize he's there and he gets annoyed and leaves. That's yep. it. <laughs> I'm like, this is perfect. This is perfect because he can't obviously being the elite has to be AEW focused at this point because it's all elite wrestling. Yeah. But like that, they could still have fun and play around with it. And they and then they did like a weeks long build up to a match between Matt and Nick that they just shot at their house. <laughs> like it's so much fun and I'm so glad it still exists. Yeah, that's because uh, there's supposed to be another weekly network show coming too, or, or no it's going to be dark essentially it's, it's going to be dark it's going to be a the the new tnt show which has not been dated they announced that the tv critics association press tour is going to be repurposed footage from AEW dark plus quote-unquote added elements or not quote-unquote but like some sort of added element and i'm assuming mm-hmm. it'll be interviews uh promos etc but yeah that's just it's become a worldwide I don't know if we can say worldwide phenomenon. It's become a phenomenon, at least in the United States, a worldwide phenom. I'll call it a worldwide phenomenon. Yeah. I, <laughs> to me, it's great that, uh, that wrestling fans who have become disillusioned, bam, nailed it, uh, with what is going on in WWE. Um, because I'm going, let's, let's be very, very honest here. Mm-hmm. WWE their primary demographic is not dudes in their thirties. No, uh, it's a family. It's a family product. Yeah. I mean, if you go to a, go to a house show and, and trust me, WWE house shows are some of the most fun WWE events you'll ever go to. I would argue the, the house shows are more entertaining than the TV tapings. Completely agree. Uh, but go there and just see how many kids are in the audience, like having a blast, you know, they're with their parents. It, that, that is who WWE is for. It's for the family. I mean, you can enjoy it as an adult without kids too. Don't get me wrong. And and I do if you enjoy it. Great. Yeah, I enjoy it as well. Um, but it's really focused on family while AEW is focusing more on getting back people who have gotten out of wrestling because they find there's nothing for them. Oddly enough, AEW and NXT, the show it goes up against on a weekly basis are very like in, in my mind, they're very similar in sort of the audience they're reaching for, which is more of just the classic wrestling fan. Mm-hmm. Um and I think they both do it really well. Like I, yes. I understand people want like to choose sides and things, but like I, I watch both shows cause I find them both entertaining. I find the side I choose is, and I feel like I've been leaning more towards AEW on when talking on wrestle buddies. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I just lead more towards more great wrestling Yeah, because competition provides 
great entertainment for everyone. And as we know, based on Eric Bischoff, controversy creates cash. I don't know how that fits in here, but, you know. Anyways, that was our spotlight on uh, Bullet Club to AEW. If you are, if you were confused about what AEW was and why it keeps coming up, now you kind of have a general basic idea of how that all came together. But enough of that. It's time to get into my stuff because Matt, we're going to talk about WWF New York. Stinger. Stinger. I was a, uh, much like you, a wrestling fan in the 90s, and the WWF New York was a thing on television constantly. Matt, you know me pretty well. I do. Uh, Those who listen to this podcast know me pretty well will no doubt realize that, like, I am kind of a nerd for theme parks and themed entertainment. Yes. I love going to Disney. I love going to Universal Studios. I travel to these places. I I figure out ways to turn it into work so I can just write about them. I love being immersed in a themed environment. And WWF had a, not just a restaurant, Matt, a restaurant, a nightclub, a store, (laughs) and a video game arcade. In Times Square, New York, known as WWF New York, and I never got to visit it, which breaks my heart, but I've read so much about it. And for fans who either didn't watch wrestling then or who honestly might not have been alive at that point, because that's over 20 years ago now when it first opened. There's so much you need to know. WWF New York. uh, It was first. It was okay. Listen, so WWF New York opened. In November 1999, and if you go online on YouTube, you can find red carpet footage from the opening that includes luminaries like The Rock and The Big Boss Man. Um, And when The Rock shows up on the red carpet, everybody cheers. And when Big Man shows up on the Big Boss Man shows up on the red carpet, he gets booed viciously. And he's wearing like a cool guy leather jacket and some leather gloves and sunglasses. It's nighttime, so I don't know why he's wearing sunglasses. That's... That's neither let here me, nor there. Let me jump in here for a second, Chris, and let me talk to those people that were booing Big Boss Man. Listen, if you ever take a trip to Cobb County, Georgia, <laughs> you better read the signs and respect the law and order, or you're going to have some hard times. Hard Don't boo times. Him. Don't boo the Big Boss Man. That poor guy. Unless you're the big show, then you have a legit beef because he stole your dad or whatever. Well, <laughs> anyway, uh, continue. So, all right. So, essentially, WWF New York, op- what they did is they leased out uh, the Paramount Theater in New York City. If you don't know the Paramount Theater, it has a long history of performances by people like Benny Goodman, Dean Martin, Buddy Holly, and Frank Sinatra. Uh, oh the Elvis movie Love Me Tender had its world premiere at this theater, and then it became a place for autograph signings with hardcore Holly. <laughs> just, just live in it. Um, do so ya? <laughs> Sorry. It was a, it was, it was a two story complex on the first, when you first walk in, you're just inundated with a crazy amount of merchandise that includes like sports bottles and toys and videotapes of pay-per-views and anything we could stick a WWE logo on or shape like stone cold Steve Austin. But the real fun happened when you went downstairs because that's where all the good stuff was. Uh, There were some issues. They dropped the ball with the menu because if you tell me there's a pro wrestling restaurant and I show up and the menu doesn't offer something like cross face chicken wings and a rock bottomless basket of fries, you have failed me. 
Chris, if I go to this restaurant and I look on the menu and I'm not seeing some beef stew Grayson or some orange chicken Cassidy or some egg Seth egg Rollins, Seth egg Rollins or some eggplant eggplant parm eggplant parmesan Stasiak. Yes, that's that's a good one. That's Brandon Andreasen. Thank you for that. I uh, I'd love some degeneration bacon and eggs. I I want to go through our Slack conversation yet, and I do want to point out that this show. 90% of what we talk about is just inspired by what we're talking about day to day to each other. And Matt and I yesterday just spent time, spent a good half an hour just throwing names back and forth of fake menu items that WWE should have had that they oh, didn't have. I got, I got them. Uh, so there's Nacho Man Randy Savage. That's a very oh, easy, easy one. So easy. easy. Uh, as Chris mentioned, Brett the Artichoke Heart. <laughs> Brett the Artichoke Heart. And that's just that's just a dip that comes with like some uh yeah. some like cr- some bread, you know? Uh there's the three bean three bean street <laughs> I can't read this one. It's Okay, so this, silly. this this was one I came up with that I was really proud of. Uh three bean street posse soup. Uh it's just three bean soup. My favorite served one that like, I came up with served in like a, a fancy bowl. My favorite one that I came up with is very bad, but it's my favorite, and that's the Rob Van Dam, that's a good burger. <laughs> to which I believe I counter, what about five-star frog legs? <laughs> oh, we keep going in this conversation. This goes on for 20 minutes. So, yeah, like, the, it's 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 such an easy bar to pass to attach silly wrestling names to your menu items. They only did it for one thing that I looked. So, okay, in my research, I may have looked at several menus that were available at WF New York over the time. Uh-huh. Um, and the only thing I could find that was wrestling thing was it was under the desserts menu, which was known as finishing maneuvers, which is the most clunky way to say finisher or finishing move. Um, and it was the people's Sunday, which was just ice cream on a cookie. They didn't even go for like an obvious thing, like for like a, a side of like Michael Coleslaw. Why Michael Coleslaw would have been fantastic. Come on. Anyway, so yes, the menu was a big fail, but there was a lot of cool stuff about WWF New York that I regret not being able to ta- like check out. There, there was memorabilia and artifacts from WWE history throughout. Uh, I, I, I looked at a shocking number of videos that people took walking around the complex. I saw Mick Foley's barbed wire two by four on display. I saw some Kane costume action on display. All good stuff. If you if you were there, you could go there to watch Raw, SmackDown, pay-per-views and the European exclusive pay-per-views. You they like they showed them there, I believe. And I believe that meant that that was the only place in the States to watch the European pay-per-views. No, I'd assume so. I could be very wrong. Uh, and if I am, my apologies. But uh, there was also a stage. Obviously, this was a big theater, so it had a stage. And that stage hosted everything from concerts to Michael Cole and Taz hosting Sunday Night Heat. Nice. They, from October 2000 to February 2002, every Sunday, Michael Cole and Taz would broadcast from WWF New York. Mm-hmm. And it was I mean, there's nothing quite as good as uh, calling wrestling matches from a noisy restaurant where wrestling isn't happening. <laughs> I want to did they mention like concerts like who played there? Like, was it like Jeff Jarrett and three count was the opening act or something? No, I want to like so it was a lot of it was a lot of bands that like performed live at the pay-per-views. Um, 
I want to so say like mud. I'm I, I like saliva probably. I distinctly remember it. In fact, I think I think saliva might have actually done it. I distinctly remember a time when a band performed a theme song there while the wrestler walked to the ring at an arena. And I think it might have been saliva performing King of King of my world for Jericho. Oh, wow. I could be like, I could be misremembering this, but like I have that vision stuck in my head. Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure saliva performed a lot with WWE back then. Like did not looking up any info in front of me, but no, yeah, I, I feel remember like they a were, lot of saliva. They were like the house band. Yeah. Um, also of note, WWF New York, uh, appeared in four count them four mm-hmm. wrestling video games, none of which made our top or bottom list. But uh, it was in SmackDown Two. Know your role, which is, SmackDown Two is the best of the SmackDown series. I think it might be the best of the SmackDown or one of the top three of the SmackDown series. Yeah. it's like second best. Yeah, there's also SmackDown. Just bring it. SmackDown. Shut your mouth. And SmackDown. Here comes the pain. I know you're confused because here comes the pain. It's not a The Rock quote, and the no. rest of those are. But whatever, it doesn't matter. Uh, it's, it's it's SmackDown four because Stone Cold said so. That's right. Uh, the there was a for, unfortunately some bad stuff to happen to WWF New York. Uh, it had to change its name. Oh yeah. Uh, in the during this building's run, WWF was forced to change its name to WWE due to the worldwide uh, lawsuit with the World Wildlife Fund. And that had been going on for what I remember, like 20 years or something. It had been going on for so yeah. long. And when it finally ended, WWE, as it rechristened itself, rechristened itself uh, came up with the catchphrase, get the F out. <laughs> Which was that. just so Attitude weird. era. Yeah. Um, uh, but so instead of renaming itself WWE New York, they instead renamed it The World. Uh, and that was their attempt to expand it to non-wrestling fans the problem is once you went inside it was still a wwe merchandise store and museum and restaurant and nightclub and oh, arcade honey where do you want to where do you want to eat and i'm looking at places in new york oh the world that sounds great yeah i bet they have world cuisine and not mm. just uh the rock sunday and a burger Check out these five star frog legs. I will say it is. I they they the menu did have bruschetta on it, which does not necessarily seem like something wrestling fans would eat. Not at all. Like it's not a burger and a hot dog served with a beer, but like that's neither here nor there. I am not. What I'm about to say, I'm not trying to offend wrestling fans. We are wrestling fans. Oh, if I I'm love gonna, a burger and a hot dog. A burger and a hot dog. Uh, maybe pizza, but maybe not. Like, but you just want pub food while watching it. You know, absolutely. And sort of trying to open yourself up to non-wrestling audiences seems like a weird choice to make when you're the wrestling restaurant, especially when like former WWE wrestler Zack Ryder has gone on and on about how he had his birthday party at WWF New York and had a Chris Jericho cake. Oh, that's awesome. It's it was for it was a wrestling fan dream come true. And I understand wanting to make more money. But like the whole point of this is you're a wrestling restaurant and that's the best. I'm going to do a quick correction. You said Zack Ryder. What you meant to say was Matt Cardona. Oh, my apologies. Uh, let's let's, let's not, try to keep up. He's not there. Um, he's not. Uh, so the one good thing. Well, one of the good things that WWF New York. Gave I haven't us, heard anything bad yet, Chris. You're right. Everything about this is wonderful, especially the part where on a segment of Raw, Hardcore Holly ripped a WCW shirt off of a quote unquote fan. 
and said, where do you think you are? WCW New York? Which <laughs> he wasn't because that didn't exist. But we'll talk about the Nitro Grill another day. WCW New York just has all your foods on a pole and you got to get it. And it's all served by Buff Bagwell's mom. <laughs> there comes uh, Judy. But, Judy's in the kitchen. But WWF New York did inspire an offshoot, WWE Niagara Falls, which is something else we'll talk about. We're not going to get into it right now. Oh, come on. But WWE had a theme park ride called the Pile Driver, and boy, oh boy, I can't wait for us to get to there. Oh, boy. I wish, <sighs> like, it's closed now. Yes, uh, it closed in February 2003. Uh, the merch store closed two months after that. At the time, WWE claimed it was to, quote, concentrate on their global efforts, uh, which sounds to me like we're losing a lot of money running a restaurant. We should stop. Uh, yeah. The bil- the building was empty for two years until the Hard Rock Cafe moved in. And now that's the Hard Rock Cafe Times Square, where WWE has held multiple events, including a bunch of WrestleMania press conferences mm-hmm. and Diva Search stuff. So it's it's very strange to me that They've held more high-profile things at their since become the Hard Rock Cafe than they did when they owned it. Yeah. Hard really Rock fun. Cafe, a place you go when you can't decide on where to go for dinner. A and place you go. A, pla- a place you go when you want the coolest t-shirt ever. <laughs> so, I yeah. Mean, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that, that was WWE New York. It is... It's a place like I, I'm so sad that I never got to go there, but I'm yeah. so glad that it existed because it is it's incredibly my thing. And if you know about WWF New York, you might know that like there are other things that the company has tried to mount um, in terms of like expanding beyond the performance space. And mm-hmm. we're going to talk about some of them. Matt, I don't even know if you know this, but at once at once upon a time in the works was the WWE Resort and Casino. And I'm just going to leave it at that. Oh, man. I do not know about that. Oh, that was a thing. Oh, boy. Well, that's uh, thanks, Chris. for taking us down that memory lane trip <laughs> into hell. Destroyed in hell. Oh, before we get into the wait, hold on, Chris. Do you do you hear that? What is it's it? It's not the end of the show. It's weird, but I hear something. What What do you hear, Matt? What? I, oh, wait. Oh, I think I hear Mike Rougeau coming. Do That's you? a senior senior managing editor Mike Rougeau game spot. That's weird because we haven't even gotten to our third segment yet. I know. We usually get right to the third segment before it happens, but it's coming in early because oh. I I just can't. Let me explain what's what's about to happen as Mike slowly walks towards our mics because he can be at two places at once. Mike Mike Rougeau is part of the GameSpot Entertainment team. Uh, he gave Chris his job. He didn't fire me when he came on to GameSpot. So he likes things in wrestling yet. on occasion. He didn't fire you yet. Yeah, there's always tomorrow. Uh-huh. I'm working on it. Oh, boy. I figured what what better way to get Mike involved, who knows very little about wrestling. He, he loves what he loves. Mm-hmm. But I want to give back to Mike and give him a little segment. But also, I want to give it to Meg, and I want to give it to Dan, our other co-workers. So please enjoy Mike, Meg, or Dan Soapbox, where they talk about whatever they want for two minutes. Oh, here we go. Mike Mike has finally reached us after walking and splitting himself into two people. He's finally made it here. Mike Rougeau, Managing Editor, Entertainment, GameSpot. How are you? I'm great. How are you? 
I'm great. You are the second person to ask me that. I really appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. Chris is also here. You can say hi to Chris. Hi, Chris. Hi, Mike. How are you? Oh, see, I wasn't going to ask just so it seemed more special when I asked Matt, but (laughs) since we're doing it, I'm great. How are you? I'm fantastic. I'm fantastic because you're here. Oh, that's nice. Positivity is, is good and important. I agree. <laughs> that was the most cynical way to say that. It sounded like <laughs> I was going to take it at face value and the matches blew it apart. <laughs> As we've already told everybody, Mike or Meg or Dan Soapbox is a segment where we allow someone from GameSpot to talk for two minutes about whatever they want. And, and Mike, you are the first person because your name is the start of this terribly named segment. I feel very special. I feel like the segment was made for me not to toot my own horn, but I I have wrestling opinions despite knowing very little about wrestling. And I feel like this was the genesis of the of the the segment. Yeah. I mean, this was tailored to you at long last. Mike has his own wrestling podcast. Finally, it's been a long run. The world has Um, been waiting. So I'm going to start the timer and Mike talk about whatever you want in wrestling in three, two, one go okay feel free to jump in guys but i want to talk about this this pwg show that uh that chris took me to yes a few years ago it was 2000 yes 2018 uh this show i i don't go to a lot of wrestling shows i've been to SummerSlam once uh, i don't watch a lot of wrestling and this show i feel like you tried to prep me for it before we went <laughs> i did and you did an okay job but like nothing could have prepared me for the insanely awesome spectacle in person in a, a tiny, tiny room of this PWG show. And I'm just going to start listing the things that I remember from this show off the top of my head, and, and you can sort of fill in the blanks if you yes. want. So at one point, one man slapped another man in the chest about <laughs> 80 times in a row so hard and was like hamming it up, right? Because the crowd is eating it up. So he just like, oh, you like that? And he keeps going and the other guy the blood vessels in his chest started bursting and it's just like it it was it was awesome yeah so for those who do follow indie wrestling this the show is bask in his glory keith lee's final pwg show the man that's doing the slapping is actually current wwe united kingdom champion walter and he was slapping Sammy Guevara, who is now uh, one of the bigger stars in all elite wrestling. And yeah, it yeah, was so that makes vicious. Sense. It was vicious. It was vicious. Yeah, that's a good word for it. At another point, somebody got up on the top rope and did a backflip into the crowd. <laughs> and everybody like at any point in this show, you have to be ready to like surge up out of your seat, pick up your chair, move it to the side while you're also holding a beer sometimes a pitcher of beer and everybody has to clear a space because the wrestling spills out of the ring. I just, it was so much fun and I've been thinking about it a Thank lot Thank you very recently. much, Mike. I really appreciate your time is up. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> I gotta have my own timer. Listen, let me just say one final thing. I've been thinking about it a lot recently because I, I don't know when I'm ever going to be okay being in a room with, in a small room with that many sweaty, exciting, screaming people ever again. And so it feels like it feels like it was a really special experience. Well, thank you, Mike. I just realized that my favorite part of this segment now is like I get to bring on like or Chris, and I get to bring on like the people that we love that we work with. But also they have a very strict time limit and will be cut <laughs> off immediately. <laughs> <Wrap it. laughs>
That is sort of that is just a beautiful little addition to this segment. This is my new favorite segment. You'll be back again and you'll get cut off again. I'll keep it tight next time. No, no, no. Just don't. As, <laughs> you, you talk as much as you want. Okay. And then I will stop you. Just ramble. I, I, as I was also at that show. In fact, like, I think I've been at all the wrestling shows you went to. I was at SummerSlam. We went to a Raw House show. That's yeah. where you or somehow show where you saw. We'll get we'll get into it. But like, yeah, watching wrestling with Mike is fantastic because he gets very excited. It's a blast. I think we're just going to have to have Mike on as a guest at one point. Too. Absolutely. I'm not I don't have that many interesting things to say. <laughs> oh, well, fine. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Thanks, Mike. Wow, we learned a lot in that two minutes. I can't believe Mike said those horrible, horrible things. <laughs> I don't think they were that horrible. <laughs> no, they were. Fine. Anyway, let's let's get away from that and uh, let's go to something a little more serious <laughs> and talk about being a wrestling fan during this pandemic. If I know anything about hosting a good show, it's always leave them on a down note. <laughs> God, I'm going to leave All them right. on the leave them on the brink of tears. Yeah. It, it, so. God, there's so much to unpack that I wanted to talk about. I'm like, do I do we even go into this? I'm going to I'm going to get right into it. We're all all of us. All of us across the country are in a position where we are sheltering in place. Things are slowly reopening. I don't want to talk politics or any of that. I just want to talk about the situation as a whole. Uh, Being a fan of wrestling is very weird right now because it's not. It's not real. (laughs) Not that wrestling's not real, but like. It just feels like that's the one thing from your normal life that is is still around, but it, it just everything just feels so surreal right now. And as we've discussed before, that like the companies are trying their best to the two main companies, uh, AEW and WWE, are trying their best to put on shows and keep the show going on. Well, especially now while everyone's at home and it seemingly just has more access to watching TV. Yeah. Um, And they're slowly figuring out ways to improve that experience, but it is not the same. Yeah. And for the, and here's the, here's the secret info uh, for the past month, maybe a little bit before a month. It was, mm-hmm. the, it was like when we recorded the first episode, uh, my whole family had the, uh, the coronavirus. So, I went into starting this show with Chris. We had the pilot we recorded. I was perfectly healthy. Uh, and then we recorded the first two episodes, first three episodes of me sick. Yeah. Um, and here's the, I don't want to get too, too deep into it. Um, my wife had three tests that her all came back positive. We never tested my son because I'm not going to stick something up a two year old's nose. Like we're just going to play it off as he had it. I had two negative tests. Um, however, uh, my sister had two negative tests and she had coronavirus pretty bad. Uh, and then I found out from some nurses that there is rampant false negatives everywhere. I don't know if I had it, but Chris and I talk every day. I don't take days off of work. I yeah, Matt, a- Matt, you were sick. You, yeah. you, you, if you didn't have it, you had some weird offshoot of it that we're going to call the Elfring virus. Yeah. <laughs> Cause like, holy cow. You, yeah, you were down for the count and you still managed to record episodes, even though you were coughing and hacking off. Mark. Yeah. The editing for those sucked. It was not fun. What are you talking about? Listen- All of our episodes are golden. <laughs> 
if you listen back to episode three when the Dalton Castle interview starts, and he says, and he says, like, how are you doing? I heard it's not been great or something like that. And I'm like, no, I'm fine. It's because I told them before we started, like, hey, I, um, at that time I didn't have like any of my tests back, but I was super sick, and I was like, hey. I'm going to be coughing a lot. Please just try to ignore me. Uh, my family's got the coronavirus and it just sucks. And uh, just ignore me. So he said that. I'm like, no, 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 I'm fine. I don't have any sickness. I'm, ugh, I'm above <laughs> the sickness. I'm crazy healthy, y'all. But for me, like getting into watching weekly wrestling programming has been impossible um, mm-hmm. between being sick and when you my wife and I are sick and trying to raise a two year old at the same time. And the daycare is closed and we can't have a babysitter come because we don't want to get other people sick. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't watch anything. I mean, I watched, I think money in the bank cause I was reviewing it for GameSpot. Right. I'm catching AEW like snippets here and there catching raw and SmackDown snippets here and there. And very, very serious question. Are you still mm-hmm. watching battle of the brands? Oh yeah, I'm watching Battle of the Brands and Up Up Down Down. Yeah, the, of course mo- the, I am. Mo- the most the single most important wrestling show of the week. Uh it is. <laughs> and yeah. I'm also watching all of them play Uno together. I'm also watching the Uno show. It's very good. So for me, like also because my son just wants here's here's a big thing. The reason I'm not watching weekly wrestling right this second is that my son super loves wrestling, and now you're saying, Matt, you're a bad dad. But when he watches wrestling, he likes to wrestle with me. And I like wrestling with him. I like giving him Death Valley drivers onto the couch. Uh, and Tombstone like, pile drivers onto the sidewalk. No, I'm I'm trying to do the ones that just go on your back and slowly drop. So he's getting power bombed a lot. Sli- sidewalk slammed everywhere. Nice. But oh, my God. You are the big boss, man. Yeah. <laughs> well, don't come down to Cobb County, Georgia. So when wrestling's on, he wants to wrestle. And when we were super sick. Um, I was, I told my wife, we're not putting on wrestling. I know he loves it, but I can't wrestle. I'm too tired. I'm my body's in pain every morning when I wake up, I'm hacking up a lung constantly and I've got a horrible headache and she's like, yeah, I have the same thing except I can't smell. And she just got her uh, sense of smell back yesterday, partially. Good. So it's been a month without smell for her or taste, which sucks. I made great dinners. <laughs> um, so we just haven't been watching wrestling because it's too hard. Like I'm still catching up on double or nothing. I've watched the first half. Mm-hmm. Um, that sucks because like of uh, just being sick and not being able to watch wrestling and then having to do interviews with wrestlers. And I'm like, oh, I got to figure out to catch up what's going on. I I find myself in it like I, I, I wasn't sick. I got tested. I was negative and I did not feel sick, but I got it just for my own peace of mind. You, I think uh, if you if you haven't if you have any sort of like inkling, like maybe I should get a test, just go get a statewide test. That's the thing. Like I have, I have elderly family members that I'm around. Um, So like, I was like, I just don't, I just don't want to take any chances. Um, But weirdly, I've also been watching less wrestling because I like wrestling for me is comfort food. Um, I go to it and I watch it and I feel better because it's, it's triggering something inside of me. That's always been there where it's like, this is my thing. I love watching these shows. I love playing these games. I love following all like trying to follow stats and all this. But the the way wrestling is being presented now, while it's getting better, and I'm so glad WWE started putting uh, uh, NXT and developmental wrestlers in in their their quote unquote audience. Yeah, just just because for me, it's been so quiet that Mm -hmm. like it's been really difficult 
it's an wrestling is at its base an escape from the reality of the situation. And the reality of the situation is so severe right now that like you can't have that same escape. So for me, watching the silent matches was incredibly difficult, which is why I loved things like what they did with Money in the Bank, what they did at WrestleMania, what Mm -hmm. they like. I love so many choices they've made to just make things a little bit better and a little bit different. But by and large, it's been tough to watch those shows. And that's and that's the thing when you watch those those empty arena shows with no audience. uh, And this is WWE because AEW, for the most part, has always had like kind of people sitting on the front. But it, it just it just reminded me, like, this is the world we live in. Like, it's scary. It sucks. It's depressing right now. I mean, we'll get over the hump. We will. Uh, but to me, it was just a reminder. So even when my kid was asleep, I couldn't watch it because I was just like, I'm already so depressed with mm-hmm. my situation. More so my kid's situation because, like, I don't I almost swore and I'm trying not to swear. I don't care if I'm sick. I do not care. Um, I care if my wife's sick. Um, I care if my son's sick. I, mm. All that's all I care about is my son and my wife. Um, if I get sick and die, whatever, you know, like, well, I'd be sad because my kid wouldn't have a dad growing up. That's we're getting really dark. I don't mean to. <laughs> it's more about the safety of other people around me, myself being safe. Um, and it just, it just, it was a reminder of that when I watched the empty arena shows. Yeah. And I think, and, I think a, a part of what makes it difficult is that. Yes, things will go back to some version of normal, whatever that may be. But mm. there is no time. There's no time attached no. to it. There is no ticking clock. We don't know how long this is going to go on. There have been reports that WWE is really, really hoping, holding out hope that they can do SummerSlam in front of a live audience. But I, I'm it, doubtful on that. Yeah, but in a world where like WWE is supposed to do WrestleMania in Los Angeles next year, and the mayor of LA is saying there might not be sports events for a year. So like yeah. who, who knows? Like it's it's an unprecedented time and as much as I'm glad wrestling is there for us during this time, there are days when it's just much harder to use that as an escape. And I remember like coming into WrestleMania before we were still planning out this show, but coming into WrestleMania like how excited you and I were not only to hang out but to like plan our work week. Because, like, yeah, going we, to WrestleMania. yeah, we were we approved. Were, we were approved and we were day, literal days away from buying flights and hotels to Tampa. Yeah. And I believe I backed out first because, I mean, you and I had a long conversation and like, I don't want to get my wife and kids sick. Right. Th- and that was just, that's it. That's all I said. And I'm a and sad, lon- and I'm, I'm a sad, lonely man. I was like, ah, I'm going anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, But it was like, a, it was such a rough, rough day to like message you message Mike who you just heard and then message our other boss uh, Randy and say like I have to back out and then (laughs) emailing WWE saying like this sucks I don't want to do this but I can't come right because I like why I like working with WWE a lot I like going to Wrestlemania so absolutely but like the reality like the things quickly quickly change and then it was only a couple days after you that I was like yeah I think you're right I think we need to not and then I like a day later, WWE just called it. Yeah, it was just, yeah. no. this is what we're doing instead. But here's a, here's what I want to say to you to listen, people, people listening. Um, and I know that right now within the, within the media, uh, you're hearing a lot of people say we're in this together. You're not alone. You know what? I'm also going to repeat that sentiment. Like we are all I'm giving Chris and I are giving our takes on, you know, what's going on with us emotionally, personally, because it sucks because 
we're all going through that same kind of this sucks. I mean, this is our normal right now. This is mm-hmm. this. We're not going back to a new normal. This is the normal right now. Yeah. At some point we will get back to high fives and hugs in public, which I am dying to do. Uh, I miss high fiving <laughs> people so bad. So bad. Yeah. I, uh, I bet I was talking about it yesterday on Twitter. I'm like, I just miss getting tattooed. I miss hanging out with my tattoo artist and like him and I getting or him tattooing me. And then like us watching, it's always sunny. So I, so dive, delving into weird personal life stuff. Like I'm flying, as you know, Matt, I'm flying yeah. to Florida next week to see my girlfriend. Yeah. I'm going to spend three weeks high-fiving her because I just want to <laughs> high-five people and there's, and I'm not allowed to touch human beings and it's driving me insane. But that's the sacrifice you have to make for the greater good. Like it sucks. Absolutely. It's, it is the worst, but in doing so, you're not spreading the disease, which again, it may not matter for you personally because you may be younger and have a healthy immune system and all that, but it matters for autoimmune compromised and uh, sorry, it might, I can't speak today. There's <laughs> for those who are immunocompromised. I, oh, I can't do it. Immunocompromised. Thank you. Thank you so much. I, Chris this knows illusion. that. Chris knows that this week my kid has not been sleeping very well. So That's true. <laughs> uh, and yeah, like I, the, like I look at the situation I'm in. I am not sick. I feel fine. I feel healthy. Mm-hmm. But I but like I'm also spending a majority of this quarantine time uh, in a house with both my mother. And my 80 something year old grandmother, who is mm-hmm. very immunocompromised, I have like it's on me to make sure that I don't accidentally transmit anything their way. Mm-hmm. That's just the reality of it. So like it like if that means wearing a mask and not going outside very much, that's what it is. Yeah. I mean, I haven't aside from getting those two tests, I haven't I don't think I'm. Oh, and I got groceries last week. I left the house three times in since March. Yeah. Like I'm, when I say leave the house, I mean leave my property because I live right. in a house with a yard. Um, What's that that's like? crazy. Um, I love my yard. I, I've been mowing the lawn to like mowing the lawn is what keeps me like going. You should put is a that pro- weird. You, no, you should put a wrestling ring in your yard. Uh, it's, I could actually in the backyard. There's enough for like get one of those inflatable bounce house ones. Yeah. And that. then just power bomb your kid onto that. But I am. I, I guess the general sentiment I want to just kind of let everybody know is that it sucks for everybody. We know it sucks. Try to keep safe. Try to listen to science. Cause if there's one thing I've learned through all the testing and everything that I've gone through with maybe probably having coronaviruses that, uh, or, and my wife actually having it is that there was so much unknown about the disease and uh, information and data changes daily because good science and changes daily with new data. Mm-hmm. Um, so the answer of I don't know and we don't know because things are unknown is a perfectly fine answer and it's something that's hard to accept. But uh, this is that's just how it is. If we want to have good understanding of what we're dealing with, we need to constantly be studying and evaluating it. And if I can get one message across, it's that you should go to the WWE Network and open up a show called Capital Combat 1990 in which RoboCop yes. joins forces with Sting to open a cage door. More importantly, because we've completely gotten off tangent about wrestling fan being being a wrestling fan during the pandemic. But the the plan for this was always like for me to say, like, hey, I I had the pretty sure I had the virus. <laughs> I've had the virus. That's why I feel a little off in the first three episodes. Um, and hey, it sucks, but whatever, whatever. What I want you to do is also go in the WWE network, Chris. Well, not you. Mm-hmm. You and I don't have to. 
and okay. go watch Undertaker's The Last Ride because it is so good. And it's, oh my God. It is so good. Good Lord. First of all, I could watch Undertaker work out in a warehouse for hours. I find yes. it fascinating. Um, everything about this doc is so, so, so good. The, 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 the honesty Taker speaks with about like sort of the pitfalls of his career of the last few years is so refreshing. Uh, he, that is a character that is a wrestler slash character that has been so incredibly guarded about mm. everything for so long. I love it. I love it. It's the best original they've that WWE has put out today. Absolutely. Best. Yeah, 100%. Oh boy. If and if you here here's another thing I just want to put out there, but then we'll, we'll I'll stop being serious about stuff. Is this also about the Undertaker? No, no, I'm just kind of circling back. It, if you cuz the whole we're not alone thing, you're not alone thing. If you feel like hey, like these guys like wrestling, they like the chat, like, and you're feeling lonely, just hit us up on Twitter. I talk to everybody that replies that says anything to me. <laughs> I also, well, I talk to everybody who says things to me that aren't jerks. So if you're going to yeah, say I, something I, I, nice, I ignore, the hate. I, I ignore and mute the hate. Uh, yeah. because if, if, if you're just joking around with me and having fun, like, I'll like hit us up on Twitter. So there's can be some idea of like friendship and camaraderie between all of us on that. Yeah. I want you to tell me your favorite kiss demon match. <laughs> uh, I think that's a fair request. I don't know why you're laughing yeah. at my completely honest and serious request. <laughs> about versus the kiss the wall. demon. Oh God. Mine's versus Vampiro. Yeah. Vampiro. Oh boy. Anyway, wait a minute. Oh God. Chris, do you hear that? When will the noises end? It's a motorcycle going by, but also, I think I hear the end of the show. Do you? Wow. I'm shocked that it's here. I'm glad yeah. that it's stopping by to say hello. It is. It is. <laughs> so, um, I guess we're wrapping things up. And yes. Chris, if they want to find you on the social medias. But whatever to me, Matt, find Wrestle Buddies on the social media. It's on Instagram. It's on Twitter. It's at Wrestle Buddies. You should also rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Android, Spotify, Flippity Flubity, Floppity Doppity, any of those platforms that are definitely real and super exist. But mm -hmm. I guess if real. you I guess if you do want to find me, I am at Chris Hayner all over the place. Yeah. And if you want to find me, I'm at I'm Matt Elfring. I am M-A-T-E-L-F-R-I-N-G. Uh, that's Instagram and on the Twitter. And I'm really excited for next week's episode, Chris. Ooh, I don't remember what next week's episode is. But Chris, so I can't believe you forgot because we are pimping out RoboCop's ride. No, the, we're not, Matt. Exhibit's Robocop, coming on. RoboCop's ride is just a cop car. Exhibit's coming on. He's putting TVs everywhere. Uh, fish tank underneath. What movies are being shown on the TVs? RoboCop 2 or 3? Ah, uh, Gremlins 2. Oh. The new batch? The new batch, yeah. Starring starring Hulk Hogan? Starring Hulk Hogan. Uh, <laughs> join us next week when we're talking more RoboCop. Nope. Something interesting that you may not or may know, who knows? And it's like the bat signal.
Anyway, so I want to preface the preface preface preface. I'm going to say it the weird way. Preface this. You should take that again. No, no. I'm not going to take it again. We should sound remotely polished. No. Okay. (laughs) Just put that in at the end. Have you been noticing that I've been putting weird stuff at the end of episodes? No, I haven't. Have you really? Yeah, I have. Every week has an outtake. Awesome. They don't notice because they, as soon as that music comes off, I'm done listening. Yeah, I got to hit my theme park podcast.